Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, imagine for a moment you've done something really bad in a previous life. As a punishment, you're sitting behind the big desk in Whitehall, doomed to running the NHS. <laughs> Lurking somewhere in the back of your mind, you remember in the spring of 1986, six million Americans held hands and formed a human chain across the United States. They very nearly ended up with a continuous chain and raised $15 million to fight homelessness and poverty. Now your mind is wandering. Six million is a lot of people. You have nearly eight million waiting for something or other on the NHS. At last, there's something we can do bigger and better than America even if it is only cues. <laughs> the reality is the Treasury are after you to save money and there ain't going to be any bailouts. In fact, word has come from on high, find some things to cut. Your very own welcome to the real world at the big desk moment has come. Tough questions. Would you cut Aging Well Services, Cancer Alliance Funding, Anything in the Children and Young Person Programme, Community Diagnostic Centres, Autism Services, Genetic Risk Services, Children and Young Persons Mental Health Services and School Teams, Mental Health Staff Hubs, Prevention and Long-Term Conditions, Long Covid, Cardiac, Spirometry, Primary Care Transformation, Resilience, Pharmacy Integration, New to Partnership Initiative, Asylum Health. Well, would you? It's a tough call. You may take the view there is a good case for adding funding, not cutting it. This is turning out to be tougher than you think, because someone has already made the decisions for you. Now, everything that on my list that I've just read out is from a document leaked to the Health Service Journal called Program Funding Reprioritization. It's the, the Department of Health's secret thinking, part of trying to rein in NHS England spending, as well as what looks like an enthusiastic attempt to bring the ICBs back into balance. The cost and chaos of the strikes and the extra money entailed in trying to sweat the assets and bring down waiting lists seems to not cut any ice at the Treasury. Perhaps it's time for the person behind the big desk to have an NHS funding primer. Here we go. Now, it is true that the Treasury has increased NHS funding, but it's not quite what it seems. To track back... Here are the numbers and stripping out the COVID funding. Now, I'm not going to read them out because it'll just, you'll just do your head in, um, listening to it. But fundamentally, we've gone from 2019 at 158 billion to 2024, 25 at 181 billion, which, you know, is a big, it was if I have six, seven, eight, 30 billion more. But the point I'm making here is that between 2022 and 2025, we're stuck at around 181 billion. Now, historically, we know the NHS needs a 4% uplift just to keep its head above water. And so in those years, 22 to 25, there, there's almost no uplift at all. In the years following the world banking crisis, the NHS was subject to pretty much flatline funding under 2%. A full suite of numbers is actually 
linked to in my e-letter this morning so you can sort of see in a very nice graph from the king's fund what i'm talking about it's scrolled down it's in this second graph. now it was during that period the damage was done the the uh, following the years of the banking crisis we didn't train enough people buy enough kit repair enough buildings innovate enough invest in technology or pay people properly and that's why the sky is dark with the chickens coming home to roost. Add to that staff problems exacerbated by Brexit, the impact of COVID and the delays in getting any kind of workforce plan accepted by the Treasury, backlogs, waiting lists. And you can see the problems in store for the flatline funding period of 22-25. Now look again at the funding numbers and you will see what I mean. We're heading back to flatline funding at a time of huge demand, sicker patients and longer lengths of stay. More doctors and nurses we have? Yes, but nowhere near the OECD average of doctors and nurses. And I linked to two very good graphs that, that illustrate that point in the letter this morning. Um, uh, so these, this is the OED average of doctors and nurses per head of population. So really more doesn't mean enough. We start from a very low base. Do you still want to sit behind the big desk? You can see why it's a punishment. As the great sage of life once said, we are where we are. And it's not a good place. What happens next? Well, look, there'll be an election in under 300 days and the Tories don't look like they'll win. If history has a message, it might be, look at the conservative Thatcher major years of NHS spending. It was years of 3.4% on average, and I linked to uh, some more data on that if you want to have a look. And so it's under the magic 4% figure needed to stay afloat. Now, the Tories knew they wouldn't win against Blair, and they left the NHS on its knees. Some say a deliberate scorched earth policy. Two years into his administration, Blair could do nothing other than jack up funding to the EU average. Waiting lists disappeared, recruitment and retention improved. Now, Chalmer is no Blair, but the one thing they have in common is they have calculators. Speaking at a conference just before Christmas, the Labour leader said, and I quote, Labour won't turn on spending taps. He warned the UK will face huge constraints on public spending. So, I think you might need a longer list and an even bigger desk. Thanks for listening. This has been Roy Lilly, and I hope we'll speak again real soon.